Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Hello and welcome back to the INED Bootcamp. Um, by the time you watch this session, hopefully you'll have fully immersed yourself in the 20 odd other sessions, including the two live stream sessions and the multiple on-demand sessions um, and have heard from several of our experts, in fact 44 of them in total. Um, this session is going to sum up to some extent some of the stuff you'll have read and some of the things you'll have heard on the other contents of the bootcamp, particularly around the primacy of the ACD board, the importance of the AFM and the role that they play in fund governance. And to help us discuss some of these topics, particularly around the oversight, I'm joined by two further experts um, who I'll introduce in a minute to talk us through some of the particular aspects that we're likely to see both in the role of the non-executive director, but also more broadly in terms of the fund board. So Mark, uh, you're very welcome. Kirsten, you're very welcome too. Um, Mark is the head of NatWest's trustee and depository services. And as he'll tell us in a minute, he's come to this role rather more recently, but brings lots and lots of experience in the broader financial services and banking marketplace. And Kirsten, for those of you who've worked in and around the fund business, will have more likely than not run into her at some point in time, given that her background is that of a well-established city lawyer in the funds business, and now also sits on fund boards as a non-executive director. So both of you, you're very welcome. We're going to talk a little bit about governance and oversight. And I'd like to, Mark, if I could start with you first. For those of our uh, viewers and readers who've had, who have looked at the bootcamp report, the INED survey, there's, there was a statistic in there about the depository, a very high degree of awareness of depositories. But as we got into a little bit of the detail of it, there was not that much understanding possibly around the specific roles and responsibilities of what the depository does in the marketplace today from a funds perspective and from a board perspective. And I wondered if you get us started by talking a little bit about the role of a, of a depository as you see it today, particularly in the context of the market study and the fact that we've now got a new board structure which includes non-execs on them. Sure, uh, Shiv, look, thank you very much. and. Uh... Thank you very much for the opportunity as well to talk to, to your uh, members and, and participants in the bootcamp. Uh, from my perspective, I think what I would open with is that the, the market is well established. The, the market has understood the challenges and the changes that have evolved over the last decade or more. Um, but we seem to have arrived at a situation where whilst there's awareness of depositories, there actually is a, a lack of understanding of the remit of a depository and how far that does or doesn't go. An extension of that that hopefully we'll talk about a bit later is that where does the role of a, of a depository evolve to into a digital and tech-enabled world where actually the demands of investors uh, and, and unit holders of tomorrow will probably differ from what it has up until this point. But we'll come back to that hopefully a bit later on. Our, our role in terms of the oversight uh, and ensuring that the board, the, the fund manager is adhering to what it stipulates in the perspectives and the rules and the regulations that govern the various fund structures. 
We're there to make sure effectively that people do what they're supposed to be doing. We're there to make sure that the NAV is calculated correctly, the cash movements, uh, the investments and the disposals of the funds are there and important. We look at the liquidity of funds. We look at uh, increasingly now the ESG criteria that sits within a fund. And again, uh, like many others in the industry, we're developing a tool within NatWest that will help hopefully the industry uh, in the future. But what I think that does is that where we see a huge amount of data across the performance of a fund, that data is very useful for us and to enable us to perform our roles. But increasingly, we see an opportunity for that to be a benefit to the fund's boards uh, and ultimately the fund managers as well. As we start to evolve and as the technology starts to impact across the environments and, and the operating platforms, we have the opportunity to provide more close to real-time insight into what is happening, whether that be around potential breaches, the reporting, whether it's around thematic investor behavior, whether it's around you know, some of the challenges and issues that some of the third parties and some of the delegates will be going through as they transition from legacy platforms into now new technology uh, and the use of new APIs, et cetera, et cetera. So in, in short, my, my, my message would be, I think the depository now has an evolving role and an increasing awareness of what depository is there to do and how it protects investors at all times is something that we within the industry would like to, to promote more, would like to see better understood. The final thing I would say, and, and the gap um, that I see, post-financial crisis, the, the, the role of corporate trustees in the bond and loan market historically have been similarly misunderstood or, or lack of awareness. Post-financial crisis, when you saw a swathe of defaults and you saw a lot of restructuring requirements take place, the role of corporate trustees evolved to such an extent and, and now, which is largely my background, is now very much integral in the part of waivers, amendments, uh, covenant breaches, et cetera, et cetera, restructurings. Uh, and they act as the intermediary between end investors and the issuers. Within the funds industry today, we still have a structure largely, for, as far as I can understand, that end investors don't actually know that the depository is there. They don't know that we're there to protect them and actually what we're monitoring and what we're ensuring the fund and the board are adhering to is there to protect them. Sometime, at some point and somehow we need to create that connectivity with the end investors that we're there to protect. And I think it is something that the industry, um, we hope, will, will embrace a conversation around that um, to try and bring into line fund investors, similar to the way the bond investors and loan investors have benefited over the last 10 years. Well, thank you very much. There are two very important points you raised in there. One was around data and the other one was around investors. And we're going to come to, I'd like to come to both of those. But before we come to those, Kirsten, can I just ask you, given your quite significant experience in dealing with, um, with funds and fund boards and governance more broadly, what's been your experience over some number of years in terms of your engagement, both as a professional in your, with your legal hat on, but equally more recently as a non-exec, with the depository and has that evolved over a period of time? Yes, uh, thank you, uh, Chef, I'm happy to. Um, the depository role has always been important and that goes back in fact to 
really not viewing it as a uh, subcontractor or a service provider. It's always sat alongside the fund manager as that counterbalance to it. And it's actually all ha always had a, a strong role there, um, which has always been oversight, including oversight of, in, of the investment parameters and oversight of valuation and pricing. So it's always been important. And I think the fact that your survey shows 75.7% perhaps haven't appreciated that is interesting, but it's not, that's not new. I have done training for an asset manager where a real household named fund manager said, what, what does a trustee do? That's not new. I think trying to get that communication point across as to what the role is would be really useful. And actually, the picking up the point just made, I mean, actually, they have been um, uh, cited to investors, and perhaps that could be improved. And I'm thinking of the you know, compensation where things go wrong. So even going back to Dumil, which is ancient, or Arch Crew compensation, there, you know, the depositories do come into play there. Um, and I think there is work to do on, on evolving it in the right way with everybody working together to work out what is the best way, because I do believe, as has as, as just been mentioned, that the, um, the data set's key because the depositories have the strength to do that, which INEDs actually don't, you know, we're individuals, whereas actually if you've got a trustee framework and a whole banking organisation, you've got much more capacity to process data and do analytics. Let me stay with you. Um... Kirsten, two, two points that Mark raised, which I think certainly in the work that we've been doing over the last couple of years has come through on more than one occasion. So the regulator, uh, both at our own meetings, but even previously have talked about the primacy of the, of the ACD board and the importance of the AFM, which we've mentioned. It's also very directly talked about the role of the independent director sitting in that boardroom representing the end client, the point that, that Mark was making. Um, as you think about as you think about your role as an independent director and you think about the vast amount of information that gets put in front of you, sometimes maybe too much and sometimes not of the right kind and not <laughs> enough, what role can the depository, for example, be playing to be more supportive, to Mark's point earlier, mm. in terms of a, opening up that line of communication and making sure that you and indeed the rest of your board are getting the right sort of information, potentially even in real time, as Mark says, is that, is that something that, that you foresee as being the way forward? I think it's certainly of interest. And indeed, um, I have been one uh, potential role actually asked to have that line of sight directly with the depository uh, as an INED. I think it could be valuable. Um, but just to fill in why I think that, and my views have changed over the years. When I looked at the original uh, coal rules when, when, when acting for the FSA and devising them, I was strongly of the view that the depository was the real counterbalance to the fund manager. But there is a role for the INEDs. So I actually am quite encouraged in the last year how the INEDs have, have actually proved their worth um, in, in the role that they've played within the AFM. Um, and I think the, uh, it's going to be an involvement and the FCA's point about primacy is definitely a fair point, but that's not new. It's always been the fund manager product and the AFM is the core of the product. It sets the investments, it runs the fund, it does all of that. What we're talking about are the checks and balances and what those checks and balances ought to be. Um, and I think the, the depository is obviously there to stay. It's not just what we've devised from the UK, it's add-on UCITS and AFMD roles of depositories. Um, perhaps too much for Mark's view, you know, it depends on, on one's viewpoint. Um, but, but that's there to stay. I think the point is then how, how the overlap in a way with the INEDs 
is best managed because I think they do have different perspectives, if I may maybe be so bold, in that the, the trustees are much more from the reactive checking and, and then sort of here's a problem camp in a way, whereas the authorised fund managers have always come from it for, well, we're running a fund, we're looking for uh, to do this uh, positively, proactively, and we're looking for a solution. And then the INEDs have a role on those boards. There is a different perspective, but I think the use of data sets uh, by the depository and the INED um, separate from the AFM's data sets could actually be useful because there may be different things coming out. And I like data. I like to have the information from which to then think about things. I think those data sets uh, from the depository end could produce a, a useful, independent, additional resource. We had a meeting in February, Mark, um, where we had all of our member INEDs present and uh, your colleague Peter Christmas was at that meeting. And one of the one of the comments that was made by one of the non-executive director chairs of one of the fund boards was, why is it that we don't get to see you more often? Suggesting that, that historically maybe there have been a bit of a passive back foot sort of relationship between the depository and some of the key folks within the, the fund boards. Clearly you're looking to change that to some extent. So I wonder whether you'd briefly talk a little bit about that, but also I just want to press you on the point you were making earlier about the types of data and the sort of information that you're starting to think about that you could be putting forward to the fund boards, what might some of those take? What, what form and shape might some of that take? Yeah, sure. And, and I think um, as the point that Kirsten was making, historically, uh, if you like, the, the depository is almost seen as a handbrake. It, it's, it's there to check and balance. It's there to make sure what things that, uh, uh, that, that should have taken place have taken place. I think the challenge that I've seen since I've joined the industry, and, and, and I, I guess one of the reasons why NetWest wanted a different perspective, is there's been too many examples already, actually, where depositories or intermediaries have highlighted an issue and a problem way too late. Like things have happened, investments have been made, fund performance or, 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 or the, or the well-publicised issues. It's too late. Um, what I'm saying is actually the rest of the industry, the rest of the investment industry in other, in, other, in other parts has gone to a more proactive approach where it's now trying to assess the data that's coming in on a more of a real-time basis. Not necessarily to predict, I think that would be a step too far, but actually to provide the warning signs and the red flags to the extent there needs to be at a far earlier process rather than waiting for a quarterly, semi-annual and annual audit um, actually to identify the trends and the issues that are taking place at that moment in time. Now, we have recent experience working with some of our clients and some of their intermediaries where new technology has been implemented, which has actually then had an impact on their ability to calculate the NAV, which has then had a knock-on impact to the, the box management process and the ability um, to report on, on a timely basis to the FCA, what's actually happened within that fund and the price of that fund and whether corrections need to be made. I think that's going to happen more and more as technology continues to now play a role. So the insight that we're looking to be able to provide, it, it, it's around the oversight of the third parties, the delegates of the fund. So we, within NetWest, we have oversight of nine of the top global custodians, for argument's sake, and somewhere in the region of 20 of the top fund administrators. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.